Thanks for listening to the Best of Coast to Coast podcast. Become a Coast Insider to hear the rest of this fascinating conversation and check out recent shows where we learned about scientific efforts to revive the woolly mammoth, the latest in military drone technology, and the mysterious Shroud of Turin. And you can listen to those programs and many more amazing Coast shows by heading over to coasttocoastam.com and signing up for Coast Insider. Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Let's talk about uh, the book North Korea, Iran, and the Coming World War, Behold a Red Horse. Uh, again, another great title for a book. What's your concern here, T- Tom? What do you think's happening? Tim? Yeah, so back in 2008, it looked like we were getting close potentially to a war with North Korea and Iran, and that's really when I began to focus more on North Korea as a nation. I mean, obviously, Iran has been an adversary of the United States and Israel for quite some time. North Korea, though, uh, has come more recently, in my mind, into the picture around 2008 when uh, we were hearing all these concerns over their initial nuclear weapons pursuits. And so I began to look into that, and what I realized uh, is that just like with the subject of the Antichrist, uh, which we'll, I presume, talk about later in our program, Yeah. Uh, the imagery of the four horsemen of the apocalypse, all of that strange imagery is actually literal. It actually exists today. And in the case of the second seal of the apocalypse, which speaks of a rider who goes forth on a fiery red horse and is given a sword uh, that men should kill one another and peace would be taken from the earth, uh, that's pretty bizarre imagery. You look at that and you think, well, okay, what's it about? You know, it's easy to be clueless about that. And what I discovered is that uh, a fiery red horse is actually effectively the national symbol of North Korea. Uh-huh. It overlooks downtown Pyongyang. Were you going to ask a question? No, no, no. I'm, okay. I'm... So it overlooks downtown Pyongyang. It's called Kolima or Kanama. It's known by both uh, names. And there's this huge Pegasus statue that overlooks their capital. And... In their mythology, it's actually a fiery red horse. It's depicted on some of their currency in North Korea. They've named some of their military armaments, like tanks and so forth, after it, some of their missiles. And um, in Asian mythology, it's this fiery red horse that's able to leap great distances in a single bound kind of a thing uh, toward adversaries. And so North Korea has made that really a core symbol for the country, and so much so that the United States, for example, um, had the Red Horse Brigades, which was a rapid engineering deployment uh, group that was um, really deployed initially uh, during the Korean War, 1950s, and that was facing off against North Korea. They called it the Red Horse Brigades because uh, that's what they were facing. And um, so the sword part of it, though, uh, really ties in, in my view, with Islam, which is typically known as the religion of the sword. And North Korea is clearly allied uh, behind the scenes with Iran on many levels, but particularly militarily uh, with missile technology and even nuclear weapons technology. And my fear is that uh, the world has not been told the truth about what's really happening with North Korea and Iran in terms of the, mo- the uh, military status and armaments and alliance between them and, um, and on a lot of other levels. So we're in much greater danger here in the United States uh, than the public has been told. And uh, so I wanted to get this book out. I started it about 10 years ago, and then, of course, things calmed down 
with North Korea and Iran, really, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. We were no longer on the edge, if you will, of war. And then when uh, President Trump was elected, uh, he decided to go full bore in dealing with uh, North Korea and now Iran, uh, even more so. You know, with the JCPOA, the Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action in regard to Iran and um, North Korea's nuclear weapons pursuits, and to try to address it, to deal with it in his first term. Last week, the Iranian uh, military came out with a video basically showing the White House uh, being uh, extinguished by them. Who, who would do something like that? I mean, what, what kind of propaganda is that, Tim? I don't believe it is propaganda. I think this is a real intent. They have military plans. Uh, North Korea, of course, put out posters depicting the very same sort of thing, only in this case striking the White House's missiles. Uh, in, and they did that in North Korea for a number of years ago. And this was popular in the news uh, briefly when that occurred. But uh, I've documented all that, of course, in the book. But they both, North Korea and Iran, uh, would seek an asymmetric strike, you know, like an EMP attack, for example, mm-hmm. against the United States in the event of war. Uh, they're not out to defend themselves, per se, against the superpower. They're out to take us down if it comes down to it. It's almost suicidal, don't you think? It is, but of course, uh, when you talk about Islam, it's easy to draw analogies, and I speak of radical Islam, to something like the Japanese kamikazes. In the case of Muslims who die in battle, they think they're going to go to Allah and, you know, uh, enjoy paradise after that. They're not really hugely concerned about dying, not in the same way that the average person is in the West, for example. And when you speak of a country like North Korea, they know, they've stated that it would be the last day of their country, uh, literally, if they had a nuclear conflict or a major conflict with the United States. Yet, nonetheless, they would do it. They would stand up to it. And they believe that there's enough of who they are to where they could survive enough, you know, on underground bunkers, etc., to do it if it comes down to it. I mean, I don't think they want war uh, on that level, but I think that they're prepared for it. Tim Cohen with us, author of several books, including, of course, the, the two we're talking about, The Antichrist and a Cup of Tea, which we'll get into, and North Korea, Iran, and the coming world war, Behold a Red Horse. What's more concerning, the North Koreans, the Iranians, or the alliance of the two countries? Well, you know... <laughs> Everyone has heard who's been paying any attention to the news in relation to Iran, for example, about the JCPOA. That was a signature event, a signature achievement, maybe I should say, with the Obama administration supposedly to try to restrain Iranian nuclear activities and prevent Iran from getting the bomb. Israel has said that they want to prevent Iran from getting the bomb. The European Union has uh, said the same thing. Russia and China signed on to this agreement, and then, of course, President Trump, listening to Prime Minister Netanyahu of Israel, said, there's no way this agreement is going to really prevent Iran from getting the bomb. And all this time, even with all of those statements, we've been lied to. Uh, Iran actually, according to Debka file, they filed a report uh, around 2008, tested its first nuclear bomb, at least the first detected one, back in 2008 in Iran. And Iran has been allied for nuclear weapons development with North Korea the whole time. Their scientists have attended North Korean nuclear um, tests, detonations, in North Korea. They have exchanged ballistic missile technology back and forth all this time. 
in essence, if North Korea has the bomb, so does Iran. And Iran could very well have a stockpile of nuclear warheads in North Korea right now, and the JCPOA would do nothing to stop it if it were still in effect. Iran could even have a stockpile inside of Iran itself. The question is, do they have the ballistic missile power to do what they need to do with that? Well, you know, when North Korea uh, fired its longest-range missile uh, last year, and it blew up roughly at 70-some miles altitude, the claim in the West was, well, we can't be certain that they're able to deliver a nuclear warhead to, for example, a U.S. city, that they can actually get the warhead all the way through the atmosphere without the uh, the thing disintegrating. Uh, it doesn't matter, in my view. If they detonate a warhead anywhere between, say, 70 miles up and 300 wow, plus. It shuts down our up, power grid, which we've been talking about for four years on this show. They can hit us with an EMP attack, and I think that they were demonstrating that. I don't think necessarily that the breakup you know, that was reported in the news was really that. It may have intentionally been a warning to the West that, hey, you know we've been planning an EMP strike, and we've just shown you we can do it. Tim, how close do you think we are to World War III? I think we're very close, uh, unfortunately. So I have a timeline, of course, on things, and Scripture presents a timeline. You know, when we talk about the second seal of the apocalypse, these events, when they transpire, would indicate that we've entered that period. And the second seal is basically a summary, if you will, of the second year of the final seven years leading to Christ's return in Armageddon. And I'm concerned that we may have already, and I don't know that for sure, but we may have already entered that uh, seven-year period that leads to Christ's return. And if that's the case then I am concerned that we could see the wars break out with North Korea and Iran between now and mid-January of next year. How many seals? In that time frame, we've got more time. How many seals are there that still need to be broken? Well, there are seven seals total. Seven seals. I, so if the timeline that I have in mind is correct, and again, it's speculative, uh, then we would currently be in the second year of the final seven years and under the second seals events right now. What would make that more concrete, George, rather than speculation on my part, is two things. If we see these wars actually break out in the time frame I've noted, so mm -hmm. in other words, by mid-January next year, if they start, or even more concrete than that, we see uh, the event occur where half of Jerusalem is taken captive in war, which a number of things attend that event, but when that event happens, it indicates that we've entered the final three and a half years preceding Christ's return. In other words, uh, we're halfway in to that last seven years. And so if we were to see that, for example, two years from now, say in mid-2020 uh, roughly, then that would be a concrete, definitive way of saying, okay, we know exactly where we are in the biblical timeline. We're not there yet. I'm hoping those wars don't break out that I'm talking about uh, so quickly, but they will happen, I believe, biblically. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.